Dr. Jenny Schuyler is back, and we are here to dig deep into modern relationships and to be open and honest about sex. Uh, she and I uh, go deeper than we did the last time that Jenny was on the, the podcast. Uh, we go further as we chat about cuffing season and how to manage the boiling pots that are on your stove when you date multiple people at the same time. And she's always the expert that I turn to for advice and a new perspective on love, relationships, and sex. Recently, she gave me a suggestion that a date I went on may be more old-fashioned than I'm used to and would totally respond well to giving her a call on the phone. And you know what? It worked out great, and I cannot thank her enough for giving me that direction and advice that proved hugely applicable and value, uh, valuable. So if you guys are in the Denver Boulder area, um, please don't hesitate to reach out to Dr. Jenny Schuyler um, with the Intimacy Institute. Um, all of her links are in the show notes below, as well as the blog post. So if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, please do so. And while you're there, give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. It really helps us get the message of the BBR podcast out to more people. Uh, without further delay, let's get into today's episode with Dr. Jenny Schuyler of the, of the Intimacy Institute. Welcome to the Believe, Be Real, Be Bold podcast for authentic dating. My name is Dave Glazer, online personal trainer and obsessed with the Enneagram personality assessment. After going through a couple of breakups in 2017, I came across some really inauthentic people when dating in Denver. And instead of getting frustrated, I decided to create a community of authentic people myself. Come along with me on this path to authenticity as we welcome expert guests and real-life daters to share their tools, tips, and knowledge to help you show up as your most authentic self. Hey guys, welcome back to the Believe, Be Real, Be Bold podcast. I'm on location. I'm a guest in Dr. Jenny Schuyler's home today instead of her office. Yes. Thank you so very much for having me. My pleasure. I am so ecstatic to reconnect and uh, pick up where we left off in our conversation about polyamorous relationships in the back then. Yeah. And today uh, we were just like catching up, chit-chatting a little bit, and we were talking about um, communication in regards to sex. Yes. But remind me, what's happened since the last episode? You had a really busy summer. Yes. Is that all business or is that some no, per, some no, no. personal Pleasure. travel? Oh yeah, 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 mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Do you want me to talk this way or to the? Oh, let's, yeah, you and me. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no. Every weekend, I had not been in Boulder for like a single weekend all summer, mm -hmm. but it's good. Mountain travel, mountain escaping, just like decompressing, mm -hmm. trying to decompress. Someone's in my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the kids and the family were the focus of the summer. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. But busy, like really busy. Very family-oriented busy, not all business. Actually, probably not a lot of business at all. Mm -hmm. Like at work, and then I leave it. Sure. It's awesome. How do you juggle everything because you're so busy? Um, well, that's Bowley in the kitchen who helps me with my kids, so that helps with my life. Um, and I keep a great calendar. So that I literally have to like budget when I exercise mm -hmm. or maybe relax. Mm -hmm. I don't really relax. When we make time for it. Oh my God. I have, to, I literally have to put up my calendar and be like, these 15 minutes, I'm going to relax. <laughs> gonna, That's perfect. I'm going to do great. nothing. Um, but I have an impeccable calendar. Mm -hmm. So I have my clients. I have my Adam and Eve work. I have the website, business, tax stuff behind the scenes, which I usually do, but after the kids go to bed. And then the weekends, I'm like, okay, it's kid time, so we're going to do lots of adventures or go to the mountains or pretend to decompress. Right. I live and die by my calendar as well. And there have been some double scheduling, double booking, you know. Um, I delegate most of my calendar responsibilities to my assistant now. Oh. And then the automated system too. Like I'll send somebody a link and they just book via yeah. Calendly. It's yeah. a great system. Oh, yeah, us. you sent yeah. me that. Mm -hmm. I am a control freak. With that, like I need to be in charge of my calendar. I don't have anything online for calendaring either. I like to know, like these are my spots, mm -hmm. and I'll fill in the spots according to what's best. Mm -hmm. Like if I don't fill in all my spots, I'd rather fill in the spots where I know my kids are in school, for instance. Sure. And then if I have to leak into their hours when they're not in school, like both kids are in school right now, for instance. So this is a great time. Mm -hmm. um, but nine would have been a 
it was just hard, right? Because he sure. start, one starts school at nine, so it's mm-hmm. like, go, come home. Anyway, so yeah. I try to budget my time around like them, and you know, self care. And mm. if I have to leak into other hours, I do. But yeah, September is self care month. Oh, it is. It is. Oh, I did see that on mm-hmm. Instagram. And um, what are you doing for self care? I'm reprioritizing jujitsu. Okay. Because um, I had a shoulder injury and then I got sick. You might still be able to hear it in my throat a little bit. No. Uh, This shoulder injury is not detrimental. It's not terrible. It's actually Mm -hmm. getting better because uh, one of my clients was injured as well. He separated his shoulder um, sailing on Lake Dillon with his dad. So I, I saw him this morning for the first time in three weeks and he was telling me how he separated his shoulder. He actually ended up in Lake Dillon, fell off the boat for 10 minutes. And then he had to go to the ER, and it was that bad. So I was able to take some time off and let my body recover um, through my own shoulder injury as well. Okay. So I've trained jujitsu twice this week since being sick. Um, actually, it's been the two best training days I've had since I joined Easton. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. Maybe because the break. The break, and then my mindset, and yeah, I've been doing yeah. a little, yeah, doing a little NLP work and hypnotherapy with one of our former guests. Oh, okay. It's so cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So like the mindset is clear and it, my vision and my purpose is realigned uh-huh. with what I know it should be because uh-huh. uh, I just got a little distracted there for a little bit. Yeah. Relationships, yeah. sex, dating. <laughs> it, yeah, your birthday. My birthday. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And these are all things that we were talking about before we hit record and jumped on and uh, simply just uh, I wanted to talk about communication and sex. Yeah. Um, let's say... Do you want to talk about what we're talking about? Yeah, we can weave it in for sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Let's say we're dating somebody new Mm -hmm. and there's no standard timeline whatsoever on when a couple Mm -hmm. needs to have sex. Correct. Like third date, fifth date, 10th date. Marriage. Marriage. I mean, that's somebody's choice. Absolutely. And, and if that's it, then we need to respect it. Yeah. That's a boundary that they've set for themselves. Mm Mm-hmm. I've contemplated it, but no, it's not realistic for me. Yeah. I'm 39. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm married, but I get questions around my boys. They're five and three of what I hope for them in terms of their values and decision-making around sex and when to have it. And I if they wait till marriage, I'm delighted because as long as there's a rationale. So if mm-hmm. they wait till marriage, my guess would be that they would do so because they're trying to prioritize intellectual and emotional intimacy and really cultivate those two pieces or other pieces of intimacy first and then let the sexual intimacy come after marriage. Um, she's leaving now, The who you saw in the kitchen, yeah, but can... she's waiting until marriage. Oh, okay. And so it's really interesting to have conversations with her. She has a long-term boyfriend of four years, but she's waiting till marriage and talking to her about her rationale. Granted, she's more religious, so there is that influence. Um, now, if my boys want to have sex before marriage, I'm also fine with that. Because um, you're realistic. I'm realistic, and they'll probably want to test drive that car beforehand. <laughs> but the, val- the value sure. stands the same. I would encourage, and I want to teach them the same value of I still want them to cultivate that emotional and intellectual intimacy and have that trust before they just take their clothes off. Sure, because it's a foundation of a healthy relationship. Yeah. If we connect first on sexual chemistry and connection and then try to build the rest later, um, maybe it's not as successful. The reason it's not so successful, I think, is because when you have sex, you like literally come together and unfold and and embrace and Mm -hmm. penetration, depending Mm -hmm. on what you're having for sex. But there is such a closeness and such a vulnerability And so if you have that on a first date or really quickly, um, one, you're going to inevitably be connected to this person, whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. So you might not like to be connected to this person. You don't know yet. (laughs) You're going to be inevitably attached to this person. But also, you're starting this foundation from a place of closeness already. Mm -hmm. You don't get the chance to actually inch your way closer and closer at your own speed and control that and, and do sort of the back and forth and... And find your way into each other. It's sort of like, here we are. And now the work is, how do we actually create the space? Which is much harder to do. Yeah, once you've already integrated, yeah. basically, right. you're... I don't really know who you are all that well, mm-hmm. because I didn't take the time to learn you. Mm-hmm. And now, instead of learning about how to come closer to you, I'm learning how to get space from you. How to pull away. Yeah. And you said a word in there that people might actually um, backpedal from, and it's control. Yeah. We're not 
controlling our partner with by withholding sex. Yes, no. Absolutely not. not, because that's not a healthy behavior at all. Yeah. Glitches, if you have a conversation at week two, three, even five or six, that conversation, the assumption is that it still stands at week seven, it might not. Yeah. Things change all the time. All the time. And fluidity and flexibility is one thing about a relationship because yeah. we ebb and flow yeah. and we peak and we valley yeah. as individuals. And then there's this relationship space between us too. Yeah. So. So before you take your clothes off, yeah, you have to ask, <laughs> we, as a state, is, is, are we still in an exclusive dynamic, you uh-huh. and I? Is the sexual health the same? Mm-hmm. You can ask it week one, let me see your papers or let's talk about sexual health and your you know it, what kind of infections you may or may not have and then in week two or three one of you sleeps with somebody else mm, because you're not a, exclusive right yeah. or not yet uh-huh. and all that changes mm-hmm. so then when you sleep together again and you don't mm-hmm. have that conversation again yeah i totally get it so open communication along the way yeah is beneficial for everybody yeah now how do we have those hard conversations Broom with courage. <laughs> yes, it takes some courage, courage and vulnerability. Yep. yep. Um, it's been a long time for me. Sure. I've been married for, I've been with my husband. It's going to be in two weeks. Is it two weeks is my anniversary. And two weeks is my anniversary, I don't remember. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Yep. And it'll be nine years together. But what I do tell other people is to have a conversation, make it sexy, make it fun, make it lighthearted. Mm. It's just sort of like, Hey, I just want to check in before we do anything. Like, are we still on the same page around exclusivity? Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't have to be... Like, just the way I said that to you, I don't think that strips away the sexiness of it. It's just... No, not at all. Curious yeah. and forward. That yeah, be curious. Be curious Be respectful. Be yeah. And uh, being forward, is that, like, assertive or is that just, like, direct? I think it's direct. Mm-hmm. Um, also, owning your language, right? If you're afraid... You could say, you know, I'm a little anxious about sleeping together. Or I'm a little anxious about, you know, I haven't seen you in a few weeks. I'm not quite sure where we stand. Can we clear the air? Right? I don't say anything about you. Mm-hmm. I don't say, you know, you seem to be running around and I'm not <laughs> sure, right? Right. <laughs> I'm saying, I feel anxious about where we stand. I feel nervous about this first time. I'm excited. I'm aroused. I'm nervous. All that can be in the room at the same time. Mm-hmm. But owning that language with the I stuff eye language and then the curiosity I think is key for any relationship at any stage of a relationship 35 years into a relationship it's key but that could be an easy way just to say hey before we actually take our clothes off are you game for this it's a good way to do yeah. consent too like mm-hmm. hey we're taking our clothes off I want to just make sure you're totally into this we can go whatever pace you want I like that there's a lot of respect there there's a lot of um, intimacy you're mm-hmm. creating a, an extra bond and connection mm-hmm. if you're open and honest. Right. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. So um, what happens if we're not clear on where we stand? This is a great question. Mm-hmm. How much do we self-disclose to the public or our clients so that it's helpful but not um, about only about us. It's mm-hmm. not our therapeutic process, and it's also not an overload, and now they have like too much information about us. Because I do a lot of self-disclosure, and the reason I do that, I think about everything I say in terms of my own life and what I share, mm-hmm. because I want it to be helpful. Mm-hmm. It brings humanity to me. I'm a human. You know, my, my clients can connect with me. Um, and I have a lot of, you know, you don't get to my chair in terms of doing sex therapy unless, you know, any therapist, any psychologist, you don't get to that position unless you have your own fair share of sure. stuff yep. in Pandora's box to sort yeah, through. Yeah, because you've seen results from your own personal work. That, and also just knowing that there's a lot of psychological stuff to sift through, and if you've personally done it, then mm-hmm. I don't know a single psychologist who does not have... Uh, an unscathed... Every coach needs a coach. Every doctor needs a doctor. Every therapist needs a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I I like this phrase, this concept in the the therapeutic process. Uh And our podcast is a great resource for Mm -hmm. people to start the therapeutic process, but also to listen in and be a part of the human piece Mm -hmm. of our community. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's been missing a lot of is just the humanizing... Um, the reality, the honesty, and the authenticity and transparency. And my therapeutic process is private. 
Mm-hmm. I do go to a counselor. I love cognitive behavior therapy. Great. I've been seeing her for a year and a half. Great. And when I wasn't seeing her for a couple of months, that's when things derailed. Yeah. Oh, and, interesting. And yeah, my choices changed and my my um, my confidence changed, unfortunately. Yeah. But I started a new job or a new contract work and um, I just couldn't mm. meet her during the day anymore. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as that contract ended, I'm like, I got to get back and see Hannah because mm-hmm. my therapeutic process is so important to me. Yeah. But you know, that's a great piece of self-disclosure. You it see is, a therapist. Right? It's yeah. CBT. You know, when you fall off the rails, if you don't go to therapy, you can fall off the rails. Mm-hmm. Like, Consistency yeah. and the accountability from a third party who really isn't that invested. Right. You know, I see her checking the clock every now and then. I'm like, am I really your ideal client? Because <laughs> I see you checking the clock. No, I've made that joke before. And, um, yeah, but we all check the clock. We because, do because we're on a time frame. Well, I, I also could get lost in a conversation with a person and if you have I, to respect the next person, yeah, the next person's mm-hmm. waiting in my waiting room. I don't mm-hmm. want to just blow through that boundary. The boundary That's why I don't take it personally. Safe. It's because yeah, I know that. And as a, as a trainer working on the hour by oh, the yeah. hour, <clears throat> you know, I'll check and see like, is it 10 minutes left in the hour? Yeah. I need to start cooling them down and yeah. doing some stretching. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. So I've made the joke, of course, because yeah. it's not me taking it personally. It's just me recognizing not an eye roll, just a yeah. nice shift to the clock. Yeah. Like, am I boring you? That's interesting you catch that because I always look at the clock to make sure for my, like, I'll just do a quick check mm-hmm. and um, I've never had someone say, why are you looking at the clock? It's right above my head. So oh, like okay. we're still making eye contact and occasionally and then, it'll just be an eye like look that. up. Yeah. yeah. It's so funny to like tune into uh, human behavior because I'm tuned into my own behavior and yeah. um, really just kind of de- uh, understanding why I do what I do. Good for you. Yeah. So we were talking about the therapeutic process. Yeah, and self-disclosure, like, your dating life, disclosing your dating life and burning this previous bridge of uh, this very strong boundary that I did. <laughs> don't talk about my <laughs> private life on my podcast. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. I, I need to take ownership and personal responsibility for everything I do. So that's what I do in my own work and okay. taking personal responsibility. But Good. if it's anecdotal and it, if it applies and if it works, yeah. Uh, heck yeah, I'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I wanted one and she didn't. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Like, I respect where you're coming from. We had a good long conversation about why that was. Yeah. And she asked for space and I gave it to her. That's, yeah. the, that's the only thing I could do. So where's the mistake then? If you were to take full... Uh, I don't believe I made a mistake on... on um, if you could go back though, would you ask before you literally take off your pants the first time? Absolutely. Hey, there was a, pants there was a, are coming off. I know there's a lot of arousal here, but yeah. just want to check. There was a there was a bottle of wine involved, and okay. I know that like alcohol numbs our intuition, and it also yeah. um, changes our decision making process totally. too. So I don't drink much. Okay. We're celebrating my birthday. Oh. Yeah. yeah okay. Right. Yeah. 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 So the mistake was that just not clarifying before intercourse happened. Yeah. And had that same response been like, "Hey, I'm not ready for a relationship." Yeah. Okay, then we don't go to this. Then we don't go to this level. Did you kiss her and have more like affectionate or even like sensual contact in those first seven weeks, or was there like? Oh yeah, like, absolutely. Okay, yeah. getting closer and closer and closer, and then every time that opportunity arose, I'm going to use that as uh-huh. a as a pun here. Uh-huh. <laughs> Good pun. Yeah, right. Uh, I love talking about sex. And I love sarcasm and I love making puns and jokes like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Every time it came up, uh, we had both agreed we're not ready. Oh, so there there was was constant communication. Okay. And that's why it's. kiss and be like, that's great. Let's just leave it at that. Well, kiss and then some, for sure. Okay. What's then some? Everything but. Oh, well, that's interesting. So you qualified oral sex and other naked erotic activities. As not having sex. As not intercourse, yeah. Ah, so Bill Clinton, no sex with Monica then? <laughs> Are you in that camp? You know, Bill Clinton was married. Oh, yes. So um, they have their own boundaries and their own clarifications and expectations around what that means to them. Yeah. I mean, I what was I, 16, maybe 17 or something like yeah. that when the Lewinsky thing? Something like that, because we're about the same age, yeah. Yeah. So... Is it my place to, <laughs> like, judge um, 
what a man and a wife and then a third party. I'm not saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Hillary and Bill clearly have their own no, yeah. open who knows what. That's my assumption. I'm don't I'm not their therapist. I have no idea. Exactly. But looking at the sustainability of their marriage all these decades and the publicity of their sex lives, mm-hmm. life, maybe not lives, his life, but anyway, um, clearly they have some arrangement that works for them. I actually use them as a great example for couples. When I have my couples sit down I'm like, the first thing we're going to do is build our relationship vision. What are your mutual goals? What keeps you together for the long term? So there's different kinds of marriages. Let's look at the Clintons. My hunch is that they don't have a lot of sex together, never have. My hunch <laughs> yeah. is that it's a business political marriage and it works fabulously for them because they're aligned on their their goals and you know you don't have to agree with them. You can agree or disagree. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. More of... It works for them. They're mm-hmm. still married. Mm-hmm. So let's, <laughs> but my let's, question yeah, was for yeah. you was because it's an interesting was that sex or not? Yeah, yeah. because so many people have do all these <clears throat> other erotic activities like oral sex and hand jobs and whatnot, and they're like, "Well, that's not sex. That's not intimacy." Mm-hmm. And I actually find oral sex to be one of the incredibly most intimate, intimate, right? Yeah. Yeah. So to answer your question, uh, Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky, was that sex or not? Yeah. Well, I think that. In my perspective, I heard was that infidelity or not? Oh no, no. the question was right. You know, President Clinton, did you have sex with that? Yeah, woman? right. And he said, and he said I no. did not have sex with that woman. Right, <laughs> right. So, <laughs> Oral sex doesn't count. And I'm like, to him, absolutely. And, and to him. And of course, when we talk about waiting seven weeks to have sex, that's intercourse. Okay. And then the building up of a relationship, the building up of connection, mm-hmm. included everything but. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay, so you were building some erotic intimacy mm-hmm. towards intercourse. Yeah. Okay. And that, that's a okay. that's a good pace for me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm not saying that like every relationship... What date did you have an orgasm? <laughs> On what date did I have an orgasm? Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Can I, can I count the number of dates and also <laughs> count the number of orgasms? That's funny. Uh, I don't know. Um, three, four, five, somewhere in there. Okay. You know, dating once a week. Yeah. Uh, consistently. Yeah. Yeah. Talking in between dates. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, um, the adult thing to do, or I always grew up having phone conversations. Yeah. And I actually had phone conversations yeah. in between, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Yeah. Um, I absolutely love that versus <laughs> text all the yes, time. Yes. I mean, um, tomorrow's episode, um, we're recording this in September. So tomorrow's episode is called when to give your, when to give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh-huh. And in the beginning of a relationship, texting too frequently, texting too infrequently, yeah. it's all about expectations and boundaries for me. Yeah. It pairs with intentions as well. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody's intentions are not to get into an exclusive relationship, then their text behavior is going to be completely different. Yeah. And they may not even have a phone call with you at all. Right. May never return right. a phone call if you leave a voicemail. Right, but text behavior is not necessarily about relationship intention only. That's text right. behavior yeah. could be about their attachment orientation. Ooh, let's dive into that because <laughs> my point on the podcast episode, and I hope everybody's been able to listen to it. If you haven't, scroll back through and look look up when to give them the benefit of the doubt. I brought up the point of like. We're all busy adults. We have a full-time job. We have mm-hmm. families. We have travel. We have health. Yeah. I've been sick for two weeks. I don't know if I've consistently texted anybody. Yeah. You know? Because I just need to back off and um, take care of myself for a little bit. Yeah. So how is text behavior a lot like attachment? It, well, there's a few components. One, it's your relationship to the phone. So if you're okay. a more anxious person, you're going to be on the phone and the screen more just because mm-hmm. there's that. Number one reason why we do the social media detox every weekend as a group. Yes. Yeah. But if you're an avoidant person and you're avoiding human contact, you may also be on your screen kind of like, oh, this is a great barrier. To like, Good barrier. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. So it could be an avoidant or an anxious um, relationship, but the texting is a different type of relationship. Like I have friends, one friend is clearly a more anxious attachment, and this friend likes to text all the time. And Three like, or four, triple texts, oh, double yeah. texts. Like back forth, back forth, talk, 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 talk about nothing. Like it's just back forth, back forth. Um, and, but I am more that way too. So this is a good, you know, this friend works well because- Fun dynamic. Yeah, because it's like, oh, my husband is very, very avoidant. Like I'll text him and then I'll be like, like, do you want the bananas at the store? 
And then I'll be like, do you want these bananas at the store? Do we have bananas at home? Please just answer me. That's yes or so no. Funny. Like, just answer me. So that's like, <laughs> that's like running our, our relationships in a business kind of a way of like transactional. Um, I need to send this text for an answer back quickly. Like, yes. Hey, I'm on my way to pick up the kids. You don't have to pick them up today. Yeah. I know we talked about that this morning. Right. You, you may want them to receive that text pretty quick. Right. But say like in the very beginning of a relationship, it's a dance. It's, it's almost totally like a negotiation. Dance. And it's also um, understanding who that person is be it based on their attachment style. Yeah. Like I know that well, I'm more of a, I, I was more when I was dating more ambivalent attachment. And I dated before dating apps came to town, but there was definitely texting. It was actually even before iPhones. It was like, you know, remember when right. you'd be like... Click, 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 SSS, you know, <laughs> to, what a nightmare. <laughs> had to click the number seven, three times oh to get God. to the S. Yes. Yeah. Oh God. But I, yes. I remember that too. The Nokia. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> and I remember, so, but I remember I was like, I know that I'm more anxious and I'm going to overwhelm this dating partner and I'm going to smother them with my anxiety. Now I knew that about myself. Mm -hmm. If I... I text too much if I get into this and mm -hmm. I want lots of answers and I'm kind of verbose. So I was like, I'm going to send a text and then I'm literally going to look at the clock. There's no timers on the phone back then. I'm going to look at the clock and I'm not going to pick up this phone for 20 minutes. Good boundaries Good for boundaries. yourself. Right. And yeah. I'm not going to respond. You know, if I get a text back in those 20 minutes, I'm going to wait another 20 minutes to respond. Sure. Like I'm going to really space it out so that I don't just like vomit my anxiety right. into this dynamic. Some people outside looking in, if the, I was having this conversation, and I, I try to do the same thing. I'm Would like, say I'm playing a game? Uh, yeah, exactly. However, this is about you. Yeah. And you're speaking of it from your um, boundaries you need to set with your cell phone. Yeah. And with your self-awareness. Yeah. Which is so important yeah. to understand. And I do the same exact thing. Is like, um, as Americans today, we busy ourselves with so much stuff. Yes. Uh, sometimes to distract us from texting back too early, yeah. too soon. Oh, I want to look like I'm really busy. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely playing a game and not setting healthy boundaries. Right. In my case, I was thinking about this this past week because I went out on a date uh, the other day. It went better than I thought it was going to. Mm -hmm. And I was a little caught off guard by like, I'm a little excited. Mm -hmm. That's fun. That's yeah. new to me. That's yeah. That's great. It's been over a month since the relationship that we were just talking about okay. ended. Okay. So I'm like, wow, that's... That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm going to be paying attention to that. But I was getting to the point of like understanding text behavior between the two of us. Mm -hmm. I'm like, huh, it's been about a day since I've heard from her. And I asked a question relevant to our date. Mm -hmm. um, and like, hey, how was the crush wall later that night? Mm -hmm. And didn't hear back from for, for like a day, mm -hmm. which is totally fine. Yeah. But here's what I did. I just stuck to doing me. Yeah. I went to jujitsu on a Sunday for an hour and a half. Didn't even think about the text message before or after, but came out of that class. And I'm like, oh, it's been an hour and a half since she texted me. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm done with my jujitsu class, I can easily text back. Yeah. And it's not like I saw the text, set another 20 minute timer yeah. and then texted back. No, yeah. it was like, huh, I'm just simply aware I was doing something that I'm passionate about. I care about. Yeah. And then naturally it occurred that. I wanted to text right after that class. Yeah. It's a good check-in for me. Yeah. On like where I'm at personally. Yeah. But it sounds like you're trying to manage, are you more, I think I remember this comment, are you more avoidant, right? Um, I was. Um, so did we talk about the pendulum swing? So you're ambivalent. No, 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 no. no okay. No. <laughs> uh, the pendulum swing from secure in the middle, anxious on one side and avoidant on the other. Yeah. In response to our partner, we swing one way or the other. Yeah. If we start out secure. Mm -hmm. Most of the time when I'm alone, I'm a secure attachment. Okay. And, and then... There's nobody to feed off of. Yeah, that's exactly correct. And that's a good check-in for me is like when I do meet somebody new and I am thinking of dating them or exclusively or whatever the relationship level is... And I see myself swinging with this pendulum from one side to the other. Yeah. And I go towards that avoidant. Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, Dave, who did you used to be when you were purely avoidant? Mm. In two long-term relationships, three and a half years each, I was avoidant the whole time. Okay. Never once swung back to, yeah, I was getting closer to skier, mm -hmm. you know, in that time frame, but mm -hmm. never really anxious attached. 
Mm-hmm. And that was an awareness for me of like understanding the book attached, reading mm-hmm. through it, understanding a little bit more about it, and then processing what happened in two long-term relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, why is that? Mm-hmm. Well, the avoidance comes from a history of trauma. Okay, now I need to work on the trauma. Yeah. Like you were saying earlier about everyone has a little bit of stuff. Oh, yeah. Right? And it was showing up in these relationships as avoidant attached. Yeah. But even with friends, like, so my husband's more of the, he's secure avoidant, and I'm more secure ambivalent. And the only reason I can actually add the word secure is because I got married and I, like, settled in. Nine years now. Yeah. (laughs) But I can see with my friends, like, the one friend that, like, goes back and forth with me, we're sort of, like, the same human, and so the back and forth is easy because... It, it feeds, but if I have other friends who won't respond to me for a day or multiple hours, I'm like, like come on, just respond to me. And they're just friends. Like yeah. I have no tether to like anything, emo- you know, sexual or emotional. Mm-hmm. It's more of like, I mean, yes, there's emotional, but sure. it's like because we talked about it last time me. we last time we talked about friends can give us intimacy. Yes. And that physical intimacy that I yeah. feel when I'm at jujitsu, that's intimacy. Yeah. Right. And that can be a part of the whole. Of the whole. Of the whole being I am. Yeah. Receiving intimacy. So mm-hmm. when you talk about your friends and the communication styles, that's important. Yeah. When it comes to building intimacy with your friends. But it's interesting with the text. Like it's just, there's so much nuance, right? It's, it's part of it is our individual relationships with our phone. Mm-hmm. Part of it is our relationship to attachment. Mm-hmm. And part of it is our relationship to this other person. Mm-hmm. You know, some people I'm, I'm quicker to respond to. Some people I'm like, oh, you know what? This is the type of friendship that like... I can wait a day or two. Sure. They're like, what am I bringing to your house next week for the meal? And I'm like, I'll think about that. Like, I'm not going to respond for a day or two. I don't know. I don't know. I really yeah. don't know. So I'm not going to give you a response. Yeah. In my, fi- in my family dynamic, um, I left a voicemail for my sisters and my mom all on the same day. Uh-huh. And then they start to drip in and re- return my phone calls. My mom's very quick to respond. Yeah. My middle sister is uh, not as quick, but still same day. Yeah. Cause she's very black and white. Uh-huh. She's like morally, uh-huh. what do I need to do morally to return the phone call to my brother? And then my oldest sister is, you know, hippie and just like nonchalant, just like, well, whatever. It was a week and I finally got a hold of my sister, but my sister, my middle one says, Hey Dave, um, my middle daughter is having a birthday party tomorrow at Aurora Reservoir. Tomorrow. Yeah. This is my this is my family dynamic. Where yeah, you're like, how like, about some pre-notice? Here? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I I got 24 hours notice, and I have I, a busy I, life. I do, and I had a date scheduled, and then I had lunch and the UFC fights with my roommate, mm-hmm. which was a day thing because it was in Abu Dhabi, and it was actually worked out great for oh, me to watch the fights at two o'clock instead of eight o'clock. Yeah, that's great for me. Yeah. Then there's no alcohol involved. Yeah. Because I have shit to do the rest of the day, so I. I felt as if I would respond as quickly as I could, letting her know I wouldn't be there. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the invitation. I unfortunately already have plans. Yeah. Old me would have been like getting pissy and a little passive aggressive and saying, right. like, you "Oh, you could give time. me some more notice." Yeah. If she had asked, "Hey, Dave, can you get Madison, your daughter, to come with you?" I would have said something like, "Yes, with a week's notice, I might have been able to do that." Yeah. Not really poking at the lack of invitation. Mm-hmm. My family doesn't listen to the podcast, so I'm not like burning a bridge here by, <laughs> by like throwing my sister under a bus. Yeah. It's just our family dynamic. Why doesn't your family listen to your podcast? Um, because, let's see, my middle sister's been married for 20 years. Uh-huh. Uh, the myth of arrival of like, oh, I'm arrived. I've been settled into this relationship for 20 years. I'm so busy in my own personal life. I don't know if Dave's podcast would bring a value to my life. Okay. Are you the baby? I am the baby. Okay. We can talk about that later if you want. Because <laughs> there's this light bulb that goes off in your head. Um, but then my friend Shelly... It was actually math I was doing. Oh, was it really? Because if you're 39, just recently, um, and she's been married for 20 years, I'm like, well, how much older does she have to be? She's to two like, and a half years older than I am. Oh, she's kind of young. 21, I think. That's a young marriage in the uh-huh. same age. And then uh, she waited till marriage, speaking of. Interesting. Yeah, but he was 19 or 20. I think he was 20 at the time. Wow. Uh, very Christian family, mm-hmm. um, good values. I mean, they yeah. stay together almost like some turbulent stuff with their their youngest child um, that comes between them, but none of my business really yeah. right now. And so my friend Shelly, who I've known for 15 years, has been married for six or seven years now. 
And she's like, Dave, I was hesitant to listen to your podcast because I didn't think it would apply to me being a married woman. Uh I'm not out there dating. But when I started listening, these principles that you're talking about on the podcast, they apply to everybody. Yeah. And my family doesn't know that. Yeah. You know, it's not like I... I'm sharing a direct link to this podcast episode I'm so proud of with my sisters. Yeah. My oldest sister listens Uh and she actually gave me a a request and she said, Dave, I want to know about long distance. Dave, I want to know about friends with benefits. So that's why we did this mini series on, hey guys, I'm going to send out a question. What do you want to know from me? Well, my sister asked for two episodes and she loves it. She's just like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Because that friends with benefits thing, it really hit home. She's 46 and has a friend with benefits. Okay. Or at least she did in the past. I don't know where they're at right now, but she tells me based on that episode, she ended it with the friend with benefits because it wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. And it brought a ton of value to her life. Yeah, interesting. So I guess when I said earlier, my family doesn't listen to the podcast. She does. That's not true. And she ended it. That's interesting. We talked a little bit about friends with benefits too. I think so. Because it's a, it's, an unclear relationship definition. Right. And you could be sleeping it's, with multiple people at the same time. A hundred percent. And the third piece is usually there's an inequity of expectations. Yep. And somebody's always going to get hurt. Right. Usually yeah. one person's like, oh yeah. I caught just, feels. Yeah. Just me and him or whatever. Me and her. <coughs> and, and the other person's like, yeah, you're one of six. Yeah. So. And how does that make people feel? Terrible. And that's why we're talking you're a about it. Yeah. Yeah. Just a part of the, um, my friend Jess, who hosts a podcast in San Diego, she did, uh, they stopped recording, but the episodes are still available. The singling podcast, I'm texting back and forth with her and like all this back the, forth quick, quick or no, no <laughs> I'm just kidding. When we, when we talk from like eight o'clock to nine o'clock, mm-hmm. it's back and forth. Okay. But like if we text during her work day, it's slower. Uh, yeah, slower. That makes sense. But it's maybe like once a week. Cause that's the type of friendship yeah. that we have, you know, just a friend, former guest on the podcast mm-hmm. that I reach out to and I tell her stories uh-huh. and I'm telling her the story and she's like, Oh Dave, it totally sounds like you're on the bench. You're not in the starting lineup. Cause it's, cause it's that's cuffing so season right now. Oh my God, the language is hilarious. Yeah, do you know of cuffing season? No. I mean, I could make a guess. So cuffing season actually could be rooted in an attachment style. So let's figure this out while we're talking. Okay. Cuffing season, let's use a sports analogy. Uh Summer is like um, spring training for baseball. Where people go to other locations and they enjoy the weather. Right. They enjoy a more relaxed um, dating environment like spring training. For baseball players, it's more relaxed. Oh. Well, okay. So let's just get clarity because mm-hmm. I, I loved, I'm an athlete, but I don't follow professional sports mm-hmm. so well. Um, so what I know, <laughs> I actually have this game. Everybody loves to play this game with me. Like name a sports team. Uh, Any sports team. Carolina Panthers. Well, I'm going to guess that's in the Carolinas somewhere. Sure. Okay, sure. <laughs> but if you just... Oh, right. Just the team name. Yeah, just the okay, team name. The Giants. The Giants. Okay. I have to guess... The sport and the state. <laughs> <laughs> this is a trick question. Go uh, for it. I'm terrible at the game, though. It's really fun to play. Uh-huh. I'm going to go with New York basketball. So New York is correct. It's okay. a football team, but there's okay. also the Giants okay. baseball team in San Francisco, California. Okay. So it's a trick question. Okay. Well, that's good. So let's get... So let's, baseball players yep. go to a new location for spring training to have nice weather and do intense yep. training on their sport. Arizona and Florida. Okay. And it's it's less intense games, but it's more intense strength and conditioning training. Oh, okay. Because they're getting ready for the season because gotcha. their season is so long. Okay. So let's say that like um, the summer months for daters is spring training where we're really loose and we're enjoying our friendships and we're, okay. we're not intensely playing a game. Okay. Right? And then comes around fall, which we're in September now. Yeah. September is like... Preseason or tryouts is what they are. Okay. We're trying out two or three or four or five people where we're dating casually. Okay. So you've maybe had 10 fluid go on dates and now we're whittled it down to two or three. Yeah. Maybe over summer we were like starting to develop our bench players, you know, those who are not starters. Then we're having tryouts of our bench players. Okay. And then eventually at the end of September, mid-October, it's starting to cool down. Now we want a warm body for the winter. Yes. And so it's known as cuffing season because we want to get cuffed up for the winter. Oh, interesting. And October comes around and it's more like, 
okay, tryouts are over. We've got two or three starters yeah. that we see more often. Okay. And the kind of the What's what are we playing now? I went from like ba- I went from like baseball to basketball to <laughs> five and I'm like maybe we're doing tennis. <laughs> and it could be any of the more major four sports because they have an in-season, post-season, yeah, preseason. I'm playing. But yeah, yeah, okay. So you have to make your choice. Is it really a cycle like this or I think it's biological. Like, I think it's yeah, um, anthropo- anthropologically biological because when do babies get born? Spring, Spring, right? Totally. So in September, October, November, we're getting cuffed up with somebody to stay yes. warm through the winter and we're having sex and somebody gets pregnant. Yeah. The next spring, somebody has... And I got together with my husband in... In uh, the fall. In the fall. Right? Yeah. So it's kind of like peak season for relationships starting. Yeah. We don't want to go through the holidays alone. Yeah. Um, we're all just like kind of playing with this analogy a lot. Yeah. But it's an unconscious kind of biological behavior. Totally. Oh, that, it's so fascinating. That's fun to play with a little totally. bit from our perspective mm-hmm. as we're talking about it today. Um, and why? So your friend Jess says you're not getting cuffed with someone or something. What did she call you out on? Sure. She she called me a bench player, not a starter. Oh. Right. Okay. And if we if we talk about this season of life, like summer is very lighthearted and fluid and. We're trying out a bunch of different people on for size. Yeah. And our attachment style can actually come into play there. Maybe the avoidant yeah. is is like, um, well, I'm not really so hot on that, so I'm going to not text very frequently with that person, as frequently as yeah. maybe my starter. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the yeah. front runner or the person who's right. tops of our list or something mm-hmm. like that. But an anxious attached would maybe have a different behavior around that of like, I'm going to text all six guys a lot yes. so that I can keep them all on the hook right? so that I have my number one choice available to me. Yes. Yes. Because they have abandonment wounds. And if mm. I have six pots boiling on my stovetop, you know, if a few fall off, that's okay because I've got these other ones. Uh-huh. If I burn the veggies over there or if I... It's okay. Uh, I've got veggies over here. <laughs> yeah. If I overcook my, my chicken. I love that. Actually, that analogy is great. Um, so let's talk about abandonment. And then they gravitate to six people to have options. Is that what is that what's going on there? That could be one way it looks in dating. It also looks that way in polyamory. I think okay. we talked about that yeah, last we did. time. Where people who gravitate towards polyamory with that abandonment wound running the show will do that. They want to have multiple partners so that, again, if one of the stove, if one of the pots mm-hmm. falls off the stove or burns, mm-hmm. you have other ones available mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. So you're never really abandoned because you have multiple options. It's a per- protective mechanism. I can see that for sure. And I like this this saying, this phrase, hurt people hurt people. Mm, yeah. And it's, it's heartbreaking yeah. because that wound, the abandonment wound, if yeah. left unhealed, will keep repeating and repeating and repeating. Yeah. And, and all of the people who are tragically hurt along the way. Yeah. Hurt people hurt people. That's really... Powerful, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I was hurt for a long time and I blamed others. And until I t- took personal responsibility mm-hmm. for my actions and my choices and my intentions, I was going to continue to hurt people. Mm-hmm. And that's not okay with me. Yeah. Do you, as an avoidant attachment then, make an extra effort to text more, or reach out more, or try to make reaches knowing it's not in your nature? I would say in the past, no, I wouldn't do that. I was just straight avoidant. Yeah. I'm just like... Um, well, I'm not that invested anyways, Yeah. you know, so I'll let them initiate text conversation every time. Yeah. And now that I've chosen uh, a more healthy way of life, mm-hmm. balancing my fitness and my nutrition and my, my mental health, yeah. my spiritual health, my financial mm-hmm. health, all these five pillars are so important mm-hmm. to me to be prepared for a relationship that's going to be mm-hmm. long lasting. Yeah. So... As an avoidant now, I'm so much more geared towards one-on-one connection mm-hmm. than I am actually like the self-preservation mm-hmm. of the avoidant attachment. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to get hurt mm-hmm. and yet still try again. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that. Do avoidants really get hurt or do they end up just sort of putting on their armor and crawling into their hole? Which is how I know now that I'm no longer avoidant primarily. Okay. I've swung that pendulum back towards the center of secure attachment, uh-huh. even if I am seeing somebody new. Yeah. And it comes from self-awareness. And therapy. And therapy, absolutely. So the cognitive behavior therapy 
changes the way that I think mm-hmm. about myself, mm-hmm. about my relationships. Yeah. Um, maybe not so much about my career, mm-hmm. but when we do talk about my career and my sessions, we definitely zero in on a healthy way to think about it. Yeah. Because it's up and down as a business owner all the time. Mm-hmm. And we need to be more resilient. You can't get your self-esteem her. Oh, I'm defective because business yep. is up or down. Yep. Or down, really. I cannot have the, um, like, uh, attachment. We're talking about it all the time. I cannot be attached to the outcome of my business. Right. Because whether or not my business fails, that has... You're not defective because of that. That's right. correct. Right. It's not a direct reflection right. on me as a person. Right. On my effort, yes. On my choices along the way as a business owner, yes. So those are the things that I need to take personal responsibility for. Yeah. Excuse me, professional responsibility for. (laughs) But it comes from me as a person. Yeah. I'm a personal trainer because I always root for the underdog, according Mm -hmm. to my Enneagram. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You're a seven or something? I'm an eight. You're an eight. So my when I'm at my best, I cheer and I root for the underdog. Well, the women that were coming to me in my personal training business are the ultimate underdog. Sometimes single moms. Sometimes mm-hmm. women who had weight loss goals and they could never lose it on their own. That's an underdog to my heart. Does, do you have awesome boundaries when it comes to like cute single moms that are underdogs and you want to save them? What do you mean by boundaries? Like, do you want to date them and do you ever ask them on a date or you're like, so I would oh. say, <laughs> uh, I would say that that type of a person gravitates to me because of the strength and the confidence and the, and the safety that my personality type and yeah. my behavior and my, um, persona kind of has available yeah. to me. Um, I do go at a slower pace with somebody of that demographic, like a single mm-hmm. mom. Um, you go at a slower pace dating or you go at a slower pace training them? Dating. Uh, training, I have extreme boundaries. Okay. I've never dated a client. Okay. Um, a former girlfriend became a client. That's a different story. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. Great. Yeah. Great boundaries. Yeah. So never mixed business with pleasure. Never yeah. used... Uh, consultation in my personal training business to get close to a woman yeah, good at for all you. because I just knew better. Like yeah, you don't four years of education at Metro state taught me ethics and it taught me yeah. appropriate behavior working with female classmates, you know, female mm-hmm. professors. Mm-hmm. Um, I never knew that my niche would be 25 to 40 year old women. Mm-hmm. That's just who gravitated to me mm-hmm. because they needed, uh, the strength and the intensity and in an appropriate, um, in the safe environment. Container. Yeah. Right. Because mm-hmm. if we can control in a safe environment, pushing you outside of your comfort zone to get to your weight loss goals, strength training goals, then everything else outside of that is going to be easier. Yeah. But if I violated that one time... Right. It's not safe. It's not safe anymore yeah. for a lot of people to come into. Yeah. I don't know how long we've been talking, but we have not gotten to sex yet. And you're like, today, <laughs> today we're going to talk about sex. And we have barely talked about sex, except to say that right. maybe... Communicating yes, along the way, uh, yes. right before or it happens have, is a good thing. You had a lot of erotic activities that build up <laughs> towards intercourse. That's about it. And I know why that is. <laughs> why? Because in a relationship or in a situationship or in infidelity, the sex it can kind of be a symptom of other things going on in our past, in our trauma, in our relationship. Mm-hmm. Like if a couple is not having sex, why is that? Mm-hmm. It's not just the sex. Oh, sure not. It's everything underlying of like trust and yeah. intimacy and quality time together. And, and that's why we haven't talked about sex because it's kind of a result of all this other stuff X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You know? A hundred percent, which is, um, which is what I do every day. Yeah. You peel back the layers of the onion yeah. to get to the root of yeah. why a couple's not having sex or why it's not enjoyable or why they don't have trust around it, yeah. why they don't have boundaries around it, to delineate what those boundaries are. Right. Because like uh, one partner may want to explore and the other partner is really right. <laughs> kind of a starfish. What's a starfish? I'm learning all these terms. Where they just kind of, as the partner, just kind of lay there and no hip movement, no body movement. Oh my goodness. Right? That's amazing. Okay, I used to call this a dead fish, but starfish is Yeah, because better. they have the the five points of the body that are just kind of like... A starfish. Laying there, right? And I, you must think I live under a rock. I'm like, oh, No, you just come, out or come at it from a clinic. <laughs> Point. Starfish is not in my clinical training. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why not. 
Just that's kidding. hilarious. <laughs> that's really Sounds funny. great, though. Um, but it's interesting because I do get phone calls from prospective clients, and they'll say, you know, we do have these sexual problems, but we don't know if you're the right therapist for us because really, you know, underlying it, we have all these emotional problems and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what do you think I do? Yeah. Like, the, we, I'm like, the only difference between... I shouldn't say the only difference, it's a big difference between myself and other marriage therapists, and I have an LMFT, my license is in marriage and family therapy. As I say, we add in the sexuality piece, but we inevitably have to talk about the Mm -hmm. underlying iceberg, which is everything else related to intimacy and attachment and dynamics Mm -hmm. and the whole system. I mean, the whole system is is key. Yeah. You know, and the sex is the tip of the iceberg. It's what gets people in the door because it's like, oh, this is the symptom that's not working. Yeah. Exactly. And great awareness for that client who calls you up and says, we have emotional stuff plus the sex stuff. I mean, that's a huge stride forward uh, in getting somebody to actually see results from therapy Yeah, as a couple or as an individual. Mm -hmm. Like that's a great person to start with. I don't think you see very many people like that. (laughs) When I spell it out for them, because my husband and I are writing a book and we have a roadmap, basically. It's called Mm -hmm. Roadmap to Intimacy. But the roadmap I spell out for couples in the beginning it's just like a little cheat sheet where I'm like this is the this is the map that I'm this is the map we're going to go on basically and either there's emotional intimacy and then physical and then sensual and then sexual and so we really need to make sure we're patching all the holes in your garden hose for mm-hmm. all of these stages so I say we have to start with your emotional intimacy mm-hmm. and your communication and anything you're withholding mm-hmm. and get a feedback loop of generosity. We have a lot of different like components of that stage, but I'll tell them like, yes, you think you're here because your sex life is in, you know, the toilet. Blah. Yeah. Right. But we're non-existent, but we got to have yeah. all these other pieces or why it's in the toilet. Right. So even if they don't have the self-awareness, I deliver that to them. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you, what do you say to somebody who comes to you and they want to like quick fix and they want to get to the root of the problem, like right away. I have this analogy. Let me mm-hmm. run it by you where you have an onion and you slice it down the middle to get to the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you're going to get some tears. Yep. You're, you're going to have a reaction to the, what you find when you slice in the middle. It's like doing ayahuasca or mushrooms or, or some, some of these other um, drugs, um, especially in microdose. But Expanding your mind to get to... It just to... Open, it cracks open mm. into Pandora's box and flips the lid mm-hmm. right open. There's he... no like crack, crack, crack. Yeah, and here's the analogy where it gets good for your profession and and what you do so well. You have two halves of an onion, and they still have layers that we're going to have to peel back in order to get really to the root of it. Yeah. So although you wanted a quick fix and you sliced down the middle of the onion and Mm -hmm. you saw some tears initially, you only saw one dimension of who you are and who you are in this relationship. Mm-hmm. But if you peel back the layers of the onion on both halves now that you have, there's still going to be tears. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a slower process. Mm-hmm. And it, it might be uh, less rewarding to go at that slow pace, but mm-hmm. uh, we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. Where, where does that land with you? Um, I, that's a great question because I, I come back to this ayahuasca or mushroom uh-huh. or other or even cannabis people who are trying on these different things to like slice down the middle and open up stuff for instant gratification and a quick fix yeah and also <clears> to <throat> like jump to the meat and the depth of it immediately mm-hmm. um and i think everybody's wired and programmed differently so depending on your background depending on your trauma if you do that with somebody who's highly traumatized or has a lot in there that they don't even know is in there mm-hmm. it's gonna like rattle their nervous system into outer space and they may regress as opposed to progress it may just bring up so much it's intolerable to handle in the nervous system, and so they're going to find themselves working something else in a really po- poignant way. Okay. Um, I'm more of a believer of you go, your body and your brain have certain defense mechanisms, especially in childhood, that help you survive. They may be outdated in adulthood, but you have to be able to see that and consciously let go of them so that you can start to come to the the self you want to be as an adult. And so the brain and the body will do that at the pace that's right for you. So that's, I think, peeling the layer of the onion at the right pace that's right for you. You know, so somebody who's highly traumatized, they're not going to just get into there. You know, they might be like, holy cow. Yeah. You know, uh, they might need to like peel slowly. Like somatic experiencing work, for instance. It's a, it's a type of, uh, it's by, do you know Peter Levine's somatic experiencing work? I've, I've heard of it. 
Um, it's very slow. You do mm-hmm. like it's it's just frame by frame to just start to feel. Um, you pair, you know, the incident with your somatic experience of it, and you're sort of pairing it so it's congruent, and you're starting to feel it. So it's just a slower peeling, but you're actually like getting your nervous system into alignment and feeling, but also being able to regulate yourself through it. Um, so yeah, you ask about the peeling of the onion. I think as humans, we're going to peel the onion at a pace that works for us based on our defenses and different people are going to slice or peel at different speeds (laughs) and do it in different ways. I don't know if that really answers your question. It does. Absolutely. And like coming from your professional standpoint, it's nice to have a balance between say like my personality type wants to slice down the middle and get to the root of it to fix it like right away. Well, that definitely wasn't working for me for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So peeling back the layer, and I'm still mm-hmm. seeing my counselor oh, yeah. uh, every other week now. Mm-hmm. For a long time, it was every week. Then we went to once a month. That wasn't helping. Yeah. Every other week is our sweet spot. I feel like we always have our core wound with us till the day we die. Right? It's how we actually orient around that core wound and do different chapters of work. I've had different ways of working my core wound through my whole life and they're all like they're all in different venues of just like martial arts is a different way to work it oh you know? for sure i imagine mm-hmm. you know i watch it with my son and my husband who do easton and you know just the way it cultivates confidence and masculinity mm-hmm. maybe not masculinity for my five-year-old but you know i think it's preparing him for something like that absolutely yeah absolutely. and the confidence that it takes to face adversity and to become more resilient yeah. jujitsu is the best thing i've ever yeah. experienced for that yeah. He's five. He's like 35 pounds. And recently he tried to like take me down and he actually, I'm like, you are strong, buddy. Uh-huh. Of course, I don't know what I'm doing. And sure. He, he has some technique there too. <laughs> yeah. And at five years old, it's a lot more play. It's a lot more wrestling yeah. um, with some foundational techniques too. Yeah. Now they learn some cool mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, he learns yep. some of the, I don't know what it is, but some of the yep. stuff. <laughs> yeah. The, the training experience I've had this week has brought me back to who I am um, uh, at most or at best who I am. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I took some time off and then I've had two of the best training sessions I've ever had Mm -hmm. as a blue belt anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, Still haven't been promoted to that first stripe because I've been inconsistent, but I always remember on the days of a promotion, a new stripe or a new belt are the best days of sparring that I've because there's yeah, confidence there right. and there's accomplishment and yeah. there's like, I'm actually progressing down the road. Yes. And there's humility. I remember when my husband was waiting for his blue belt, like every stripe along the way in the white process or as he was building towards blue belt was so humbling because he's like seeing belts in the corner yep. and he's like, is it me today? Is it me today? And it was like never him. Yep. And he's like, this is just so humbling to just be in the process and not get the belt. Like it's not about the trophy or the destination. It's about like being on the mat. Yep. So, Every day is the journey along the way. Yeah. And if you skip too much time, your your journey gets derailed. And yeah. it's a really good metaphor for life and personal growth. Yeah. It's a great place to begin learning so much about yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I'll stick with it for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about physical fitness and uh, for mental health and sexuality. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. know there's a benefit for um, jujitsu to make my body look better, feel better, work better so yeah. that I'm more sexual as a yeah. as a person and sure. you touched on masculinity too. Yeah. Yeah, masculinity is a big topic in today's age. Uh-huh. Um, and it's healthy, right? Oh, I am such a big fan of of healthy, meaningful masculinity, unapologizing. Like I don't think men need to apologize for having a penis. Like come on, you have one. You were born that way. You didn't choose it. I don't think people should apologize for. I don't think people should apologize for how they were born. Okay. Put it that way. You're born the way you're born. You don't get to choose that. What you get to choose is how you walk this planet with integrity, and the personal responsibility you take for yourself, mm-hmm. and and those kinds of pieces. And so I think it's hard. We're in a really tricky age around masculinity right now because we see a lot of improper behaviors being illuminated and I'm by no means condoning those behaviors but I think the fallout from that is that boys and men are being slaughtered around masculinity and um and are getting confused on around how to be in their power without a apologizing and be um 
having power over others, right? Mm -hmm. Being in your power doesn't mean you have to dominate a whole set of people or another person. You can just Mm. be in your power. And so I think that's a confusing message and hard to implement. And so I think meaningful masculinity is really key. I mean, I have two boys. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to teach them to, you know, with my husband, but I want to teach them to be awesome, ethical, respectful men in their power and to be, you know, I want them to be the ones at parties when they're in high school, like scanning the room to make sure like things are cool, right? I don't want them to be the drunk ones outside throwing up. I want them to be sort of the protectors of the party. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want them to be the over caretakers and their self-sacrifice and their martyrs, but I want them to just have that awareness and be embodied in their masculinity to just have that as part of their responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, Very well said. And whether we acknowledge it or not, healthy masculinity is attractive to women. A hundred percent. Right? Oh, I can't even tell you how many of my female clients are like, my husband's really nice, but he's too nice. He's a uh-huh. doormat. Uh-huh. Or he never just takes me against the wall or throws me on the bed or uh-huh. he never just challenges me or says no to me or just tells me what he wants for dinner or makes a decision around dinner. Like, I can't tell you how many of these people, these women are, and then they're like, yeah, I have no sex drive. Yep. Wonder why. Because yeah. there's nothing to be attracted to. <laughs> uh-huh. Now, taking, a, taking somebody up against the wall and taking them in a sexual act with love yes. is part of healthy masculinity. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if there has to be consent. There has mm-hmm. to have some boundaries. Sort of, yeah. Right. Understanding yeah. like, of course. yeah, this is sexy. Now, like, what, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just shouldn't be a surprise, but it right. can definitely be a wantingness. Yes. And I think that's where it comes from is like, right. I just want her so bad. Right. With her permission, I'll take her this way. Right. How do you channel that carnal natural, biological, testosterone-fueled carnalness and lust into a consenting dynamic Mm -hmm. where it can be really sexy. And Mm -hmm. I think most women want that. Of course. I've heard it as well. So to have your clientele say the same thing. uh, We were talking about Jeff Lawton beforehand, and The Evolving Man is is formulated around No More Mr. Nice Guy. Oh, that's great. Uh Mm -hmm. And the nice guy syndrome of... Just mm-hmm. like being a doormat, being mm-hmm. too passive, mm-hmm. not asking for what they want. Mm-hmm. That's not healthy masculinity. That's not even masculinity at all. Yeah. It's weakness. But you have to have compassion for those people, right? Because it comes from a place from childhood where you probably had to be hyper vigilant of your environment. If it was a chaotic or unsafe environment, alcoholic father, neglectful. absentee father, absentee, something, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're like, I'm tracking my environment to make sure I'm, I'm safe as a kid. Um, um, then they learn to be hypervigilant of their environment and not to rock the boat and not to step on the eggshells. So then they become nice guys. Yeah. Because it was a learned defense mechanism. Yep. And we could probably do a follow-up episode on Lots that one thing right yeah. there, you know, because uh, appreciate your, your female perspective and your clinical perspective on that too, mm-hmm. because I can study all day long and be self-aware of nice guy tendencies yeah. to correct them along the way, mm-hmm. but I'll still make mistakes, yeah. you know, and I'll still be human yeah. and I'll still on occasion get my feelings hurt and be passive aggressive, mm-hmm. but I'm cleaning that shit up. Good. Yeah. Good. Because it's, it's not healthy for me as a, as an integrous person. Right. It's a form of manipulation and I'm eliminating it from my life. Yeah. Because <clears> it doesn't belong in my next relationship or my current one or wherever right. I'm at. My business, professional, friends, co-workers, family. Yeah. So bringing it full circle. Yeah. With that botched experience. (laughs) (laughs) We'll call it that. Yeah, that's where you, if you were to edit, it could have been, hey, I mean, I said this before, but Mm -hmm. like, hey, right now I want to name my need. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm aroused, I'm excited, just want to make sure we're good and on the same page. Yeah. Because of my boundary that I had set. Because of the boundary you set. For myself. I imagine because of your... Because of the alcohol, plus if you had nice guy syndrome before, that need went dormant. Yeah, momentarily. Yeah, momentarily. Yeah. Oh, well. You learned. Yeah, absolutely. Now you learn as you take your pants off to just make sure, okay, what's your sexual health status? Uh-huh. And we're on the same page? Okay, keep taking the clothes off. <laughs> if I'm doing a check-in personally, I can appropriately and do a check-in with my partner as well. Yeah. And that should be... Everyone's Goal. commitment to communicating effectively. Yeah. 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 
we're not alone on this earth and we're supposed to, we're certainly not meant to be alone. No. We're oh, connecting yeah. humans. Yeah. yeah. We're social species. That's how we survived. We don't have long claws and sharp teeth. Yeah, Man. we gathered as a, yeah, as a community. Social. Yeah, mm-hmm. So if there's one thing we didn't touch on today, I know we went like round and round and winding road and yeah. I loved it. It was awesome. But if there's one thing you want to leave us with today, what would it be? Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, there's so many different messages. I'm, um, I love the healthy masculinity piece. I'm really passionate about that now. I just feel like it's a... It's a let me back up. I got into this field because I felt like there was a war on sex in terms of all these sex negative messages coming from different places, be it society, media, religion. And I wanted to make sure that I wanted to be part of the positive message so that I was tackling in the best way I knew how with my skill set, the negative messages that everybody has a birthright to pleasure, right? That, that, you know, and it's, it's, not everybody lives in a country where they can access that birthright to pleasure, but certainly this country, hopefully, you know, we have a birthright to, you know, we have rights, we have individual rights. And, and a lot of that, you know, around our sexual health is what I have previously championed for. Now being a mother, I see all these other like places where um, sex and messages and gender and all these different like parts of our sexuality are also being challenged on like such interesting micro levels. And so I also want to just challenge some of those, you know, respectfully, but challenge what's happening and the evolution of different things. Um, Because I want my boys to have, you know, I want my boys to have, it comes down to really my boys. It's like a selfish place. It's like, that's what matters most. Um, But I want them to have, uh, you know, as a mother, you want them to have everything. But I want them to have a really good, healthy understanding of their body and how to inhabit it and how to interact with this body, not just sexually, Mm -hmm. but with other people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just such a grave challenge in this society and technology and our phones and our screens. And those are constantly evolving. And it's like, there's all these new distractions and relationships to have. We have such relationships with our screens and it's like, it's hard to be a parent in this like quick changing times and they want phones and they want to have the screens and you're like, it's just a tug of war and what Mm -hmm. they see on the screens. And we haven't talked about porn, but like that's a whole nother component of like, how do you prepare them for that? That's inevitable. They're going to see that. They're going to see it sooner than I'd probably like them to see it inevitably for most kids. And so how do you also prepare them for that? So uh, I don't know if I answered your question. You certainly did. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I can definitely understand why you would choose to be passionate about healthy masculinity, mm-hmm. married and two boys. Yeah. So if there's not healthy masculinity in your in your tight knit environment, right? Then the next generation is going to be right. challenged and struggling, right. just as we are today. Yeah. I mean, you would think as a woman, what about healthy femininity? Um, and I want that too. Yeah. Because that's attractive to me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But I feel like, uh, all right, I got that downloaded for the most part. And like, I don't really, as a mother of like two really young kids, I'm like, yeah, I'll do, I'll do me. Like I do enough self-care. Like I, I do me, but like I'm much more focused on them. If I had two girls, I wouldn't be talking healthy masculinity probably. I'd be talking something really different. But I have two young boys. And, and we, would, we would have to teach our two young daughters how to recognize healthy masculinity. Yeah. Yeah. We need it all. Yeah. We need it so all. it's still centered around uh, what to recognize, what to see, what to notice, Yeah. Um, how to protect yourself against the opposite. Yeah. And both my kids will do jujitsu. One already does. Yeah. Like it's key. It is key. definitely the best choice I've ever made. And it brought yeah. us together too through, That's true. through Elliot and Easton. Yes. And uh, I still have yet to train with your husband. Oh yeah. Well, but, he's in Boulder. Yeah. I can make that trip. You can make the trip. Yeah. Well, thank you again. Yeah. I know your time is valuable, so I won't take up much more of it. Thank you.